Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com. For all your favorite characters from the Gillivers, shop the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com. Also brought to you by Rode Microphones, the official microphone supplier of Inside the Gillivers. See their entire lineup today at rode.com. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Broadbent. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining oh, us for season two, season two, episode five of Inside the Gilliverse, where we talk all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with great pleasure this evening to welcome tonight's guest. You know him as Kevin Wattell, CEO of Mesa Verde on the greatest show on television, bar none, Better Call Saul. Welcome to my good friend, my new good friend. It seems like an old best friend, the way you've been talking to me this week, Mr. Rex Lynn. Rex, how are you? Uh, well, I'm fine, Eric, but I'm looking. Do I look bald? No. No, it's, no. Just, a li- it's just lighting. Yep, yeah, I, I, you got a, a whole nice... I've got a little... There's a, okay. No, um, no, it's just the lighting. Okay. Yep. Okay. It's I'm good. Right. No, you're looking good. Nice full I'm head right. of hair. Yep. I'm good. I'm... <laughs> I'm glad to be here, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good. And listen, don't feel bad. I've got the big forehead going on here with the glow and everything. I try to put powder on and stuff like that before I'm like, screw it. Who cares, if right? Your, if I had your hair, I'd be <laughs> making a lot more money. Oh, uh, right, right. I don't know. Yeah. I like the goatee, though. We got that going on together. And mine's Thank getting you. same Thank color you. almost. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little further down the road than you are. A little, little further. And we are a little further down the road, but you're you're uh, familiar with my stomping grounds here a little bit up here in Ontario, Canada. I am indeed. You know, Canada, I told you on the phone, Canada is one of my favorite spots. I love the Canadian people. Hello, Big Rig, Tater. Uh, I love uh, uh, the Canadian people. I love Canada. and, and uh, But my favorite place always has been i've been all over canada except for nova scotia but my favorite place would be alberta and more specifically calgary or as they say calgary calgary yeah love that whole area Banff and, and all that area yeah nice well you definitely got to take when you get a chance you and reba or do yourself or whoever if you're working whatever get get to nova scotia now i haven't been to calgary i've been place i haven't been it's beautiful it's beautiful I heard it was great in one year I was on the East coast the furthest East. And then I was on the West coast as well in British Columbia. And you know, they're, they're both so opposite, but so beautiful. So I hope you get a chance to see it. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I love Canada. It's good. It's, it's nice. We're, I think we're a nice bunch up here. We've still got some idiots running around loots too, but I, it's a nice place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here this evening, and we've had some really, really fun conversations this week. We'll talk about some of those uh, throughout the program, but I thought we would just kind of uh, start something. A lot of times, I forget to do this. I, I, I have it on my cheat sheet every week to ask every guest, and it's something that we do, uh, try to do religiously, and we don't. There's, there's a little thing I like to ask guests. It's like, okay, the Gilliverse, we say we take off into the rocket ship. The rocket ship leaves at 9 o'clock Eastern, and we fly off into this Gilliverse. And the Gilliverse encompasses everything that's Breaking Bad, El Camino, Better Call Saul. Anything that Vince Gilligan or Peter Gould touch is the Gilliverse. And in that Gilliverse, uh, it could, it's, there's a smell. And there is a right answer to this. It could, be, it could smell like a hockey bag. You know, here in Canada, that's our thing, hockey bags and stuff like that. But I'd like to know what your thoughts are. What do you think it smells like in the Gilliverse? Wow, that's a tough one right off. Who came up with this? 
Did you come up with this? I would love to take credit for it, uh, but I did not. That's my, uh, and I, I was going to say former, but he's not former. That's my co-host, Tom Schnells. You know that guy that writes some of those hits that uh, you're involved in? Big Tom- Tommy. Tommy, yeah. you're killing me right off the bat. <laughs> okay, the smell of Gilliverse. What yep. would be the smell of Gilliverse? Okay, well, right off the bat, I have to say bacon. Okay. Because everybody loves bacon. And everybody loves Gilliverse. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say bacon right now. Okay. Smell of bacon. And then I'd say. Whatever the smell of desert. Maybe desert. Okay. Uh, well, uh, to quote my favorite lyricist, Don Henley. Uh, warm smell of colitas rising up through the air. Uh, controversial what Kalidas is, but, <laughs> and, but but it's the warm smell of Kalidas rising up through the air. To quote the Eagles, more specifically Don Henley. Okay, um, I'll, so I'll, I'll go the desert and and uh, and bacon. Okay, so Hector Salamanca from Bobbleheads.com says one of your answers was correct. You did get bacon right. Bacon. Really? Yes, you and Vince Gilligan, I think, are the only two people who have got that portion of it right. So you're 50% correct. So a big round of applause for Rex. Yes. And the other answer was fear. Bacon and fear. So fear could, you know, like if your dog is scared, you smell that funk on the dog or me. Sometimes I get this weird, weird funk. I, uh, I told my, my better half, Nicole, last week what my smell smelled like. I'm not going to say it on the air, but I had a funk. And I don't know if it was a fear smell, but so it's bacon and fear. Well, see, now I'm a little pissed off <laughs> that I didn't think of fear. I, I know, fear right? Is a great answer. Yep, yep. I'm going to go with bacon and desert, though. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay, all right. Well, one of the things I want to jump into, we're, we have some killer questions sent in from our fans tonight, audio questions from people that are our members on our YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to get to those shortly here as well, too. And I'm going to be um, answering questions from the live chat as well, too. Our good friend Karina is going to be funneling in uh, questions to me if I miss them. But Excellent. one like a biggest part of our channel for the longest time was it, like is, I'm a musician. So it was a music channel. So I, some of our musicians that are watching tonight are going to love this next question. We'll talk some music just for a moment before we get into the deep rabbit hole a better call Saul. Uh, but you've been a musician for quite some time, a drummer, and uh, your better half, um, for those that don't know, is Reba. We, I mean, who who doesn't love Reba? The world loves Reba. But she got you a nice little uh, birthday gift back, was it November your birthday? Yeah, November 13th. So she yeah. got you a, a kit. So let's talk about this birthday gift and maybe bring us back a little bit to the days where when you were playing and tell us a little bit about that story. Well, I tell you, so let's back up uh, as far as the drums. My parents got me, uh, uh, much to their dismay, uh, got me a drum set when I was seven years old. It was one of those with just a snare and a cymbal and a bass drum. And so I just hit it loudly and banged on it, and, <laughs> you know, made no sense. But uh, and then later on, I got into a band in high school and my parents got me a really great drum set. And at that time, it was the sexiest drum set going. It was called the Vista Light drum set and uh now ironically it's coming back but it, it's the, the the clear shells yeah on, on there and so uh, that was great and i went and played on into college and then and then i just quit playing the drum sold the vista light drum set and so for the last 45 years i haven't touched a drumstick uh and you never get on another man's drum so i would always get close to a musician's drums and just look at them and think man i'd like to get on there so uh fast forward 
um, I uh, ended up uh, re-meeting uh, the love of my life, Reba, and uh, uh, Tater Tot, as I call her. Yeah. She calls me Sugar Tot. We're the Tots. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Sugar and Tater. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, I talked to her about drums for a long time, and, and uh, she allowed me to go to the studio and watch her uh, record her new record, uh, some of her new records, a few songs from the new record. Uh, and <clears throat> uh, I was constantly looking at the drummer, the studio drummer. Mm -hmm. And then they let me go down by him. I got to get an apple box and sit down by the drummer. And watch oh. drum. Anyway, so for my birthday, uh, uh, Reba's got this really wonderful place. And, and uh, she took me, she's got a big uh, barn out there. And, and uh, we were going out to, to feed the donkeys and the horses. And, and uh, we walked in the barn. It's a big party barn kind of thing. And. Um, she just, we just walked on into the barn and she was just talking and visiting. And then she goes, what do you think about those? And I turned around and they're setting, sitting up on the stage with carpet down below. She got, uh, Jim and Jeff, uh, members of her band and Greg Morrow helped with a really great studio drummer in Nashville. Had this great, uh, set of Gresh drums and with Zildjian cymbals and the paint on the shells were burnt orange. I'm a Texas Longhorn fan. So burnt orange is a big part of my life. And so, uh, the, sh the shells of the drums are burnt orange. And, and, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't know what to say. And I literally just started bawling. Oh. I mean, I really, did. I just started crying. I didn't know what to say or do. And I was hesitant to even get on the drums cause I could never get on anybody else's drums. And she said, well, those are yours. So get on you know so yeah anyway so yeah i got this great drum set and i'm and i'm about to get some drum lessons i'm uh, in nashville when i get back it's been uh, uh reba knows this firsthand i sounded terrible when i got on man. i sounded like i've been on drums in 45 years so well that's yeah. that's right you hadn't so you can't blame yourself but did it no. was it fun just to get behind that kid again though it was amazing. And I didn't want to hit anything very hard. First thing I did was just touch all the skins of the, of the drums of the snare and the, the, the four Tom Toms. And, and, and then I looked under the symbols, you know, and I had to read the word Zildjian. Yeah. I'd make I sure. Yeah. Believe it. I, I was in, I was just in shock. And then I was afraid and she had a whole, uh, uh, uh holder full of like 20 pairs of different drumsticks. Find the ones that you want. The first two drumsticks out. And I started playing. I played. So when I was in uh, elementary school in Spearman, Texas, I grew up in a little town called Spearman, Texas. I was in a band called the Professional Beach Bums. Okay. <laughs> there, were, there were four of us, five of us. And we played two songs, Wipeout and Louie uh, uh, Louie. Lui. Oh, right on. So yep. I got on first and played Wipeout. And then I played what I played later when I was older. I played Inagata Devita, the drum solo. Oh, wow. The first two things I played on the drums, and, and boy, it sounded terrible. <laughs> it, uh, it was really bad, but it was sure fun to do it. I I'm can imagine. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see your progression. And, and as a musician, I'm really excited about that. And one day, we'll jam. I would love to. That'd be great. I'd love to. That's awesome. Well, yeah. we've got some fan questions coming in already as well. This is good. This oh. is this is from Ursula. I hear there are Star Trek cruises. What would you think of a Breaking Bad Better Call Saul cruise ship, and would you be a guest on it? I absolutely love that idea. Would I be a guest on it? What do I think? I would. I would be, uh, apply for uh, to navigate. <laughs> I'd be the captain. 
I just just want to. I just see what it takes to. I'd, I'd get into take lessons and yeah, I'd yeah. get on it. I'd like to navigate it. I'd like to be on it twenty four seven. Yeah, can you imagine? I could see you or I both we're on there. You know, we're 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 little kids at heart. And hey, Captain, can I can I take the wheel? You know, and like, oh, don't worry about that iceberg that's up ahead. You know, we'll we'll, we'll navigate it. Can you imagine a Breaking Bad Better Call Saul cruise ship? I love it. Would be the greatest thing ever. Gilliverse on the ocean, right? Okay, Sony people, who's ever, who's ever, anybody with a big credit card, uh, a real limitless credit card, let's talk. Well, yeah, come to me, Kevin Wattell from Mesa Verde Bank. Yeah. We'll get you hooked up. Paige and I will, will, uh, uh, we'll get you hooked up. Yep, and we'll make sure uh, Kim Wexler looks over all the fine details. Kim Wexler sure. will do finalize everything, and we'll we'll be rocking. That's right. That's right. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to jump over to the audio questions. I've got seven questions in a row from our our, our uh, members of the channel here, and uh, my our good friend Eamon here as well too. He's one of our two moderator heads. Uh, Eamon and Karina are our moderator heads, and we've got. Uh, well, 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 before we do that, I have to take a sip of my. Coffee. Do it. Yes. Uh, from my better call Saul cup. There you go. Nice. What are you, are you having a coffee? I have my coffee. Let's go. Awesome. Rock and roll. I'm drinking Gatorade tonight. No, no sponsorship there whatsoever. Okay. So the first question is coming in from Karina. And if people want to do this, we're going to answer quite as many questions as we can from the, the live chat. But if you want to become a member of the channel, you just hit the join button down below. It's $5.99 a month. And you can, there's various other perks, including merchandise discounts. You can send in questions like these fine folks did. So here's one from Karina. Uh, she's our first off the hop here. Hi Rex, my name is Karina. I am a huge horror fan and you have said your love of horror as a kid influenced your interest in acting. Would you do a horror film if the right one came along? Good question. Oh, well, hold on a minute. Just hold on. Of course I would. You clearly didn't see Zombievers. I was half man, half killer beaver. Okay. On Netflix. You can get it. Called Zombievers. Uh, a friend of mine, Jordan, directed it, and he wanted me to play uh, a deranged mountain man who gets bitten by a killer beaver. Okay? Mm-hmm. Killer beavers. Yep. And uh, and so I would turn into half man, half beaver. So to answer her question, yes, I would do another one. That was a throwback comedy. It was a comedy horror to, to the 1980s throwback horror films, but I would love to do a horror film. And really, I, I have uh, pictures in my hallway here. Uh, Lon Chaney and the behind the scenes photographs of Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr., Bill Lugosi, Boris Karloff. And those were huge influences for me. And, and uh, so I've seen just about every horror film that there is. And that's, I, I really like the old ones, though, really. Uh, and yeah. people have asked me often, in case she's wondering too, uh, I still think, although I'm really not sure I would classify it as a horror film, but I think the scariest movie I've ever seen was The Exorcist. Me too. You want to, I saw that as a kid in Canada. You know, you, we talked about the Detroit border or whatever. So over in Detroit, there was a channel 20 WXON. I think it was, um, this was back in the day of pay TV, like long before pay-per-view and stuff like that. It was pay TV come out and you had to have these descramblers like a box, right? And you'd pay the cable company. It wasn't, it wasn't even cable companies pay these people and you get these boxes. You could descramble the signal. And I'm at, I'm at home in small town country, Ontario, Canada, like small, out in whatever, I'm probably about 12 years old. My parents left me home for the first time, or the first time that I could remember. It's a windy storm out there, and I'm I'm descrambling. I'm watching The Exorcist by myself in the country, no lights. I was never more scared. 
it was the scariest thing that ever been. You know what's interesting too? If people watch it now that have never seen it, like mm-hmm. the young young people, like the great scene with her, and I even discussed this with her with Linda Blair. I got an opportunity to discuss this the the, the mechanics of this scene and everything, but. You know, like when she when she regurgitates, throws up the vomit, you know, and, mm-hmm. which is was green pea soup at the time. People laugh at that now. They see it now. They're going, oh, dude, are you seriously? You think that's scary? And I'm going, if you would have seen it in 1973. Yep. I'm telling you, it was scary. Well, you know what it is? It's because the world has become desensitized. Or, or, you know, what's, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but they see all these graphic things anymore, you know? And and just like today, I was telling my better half, I saw this video my friend posted on social media. It was a guy that actually went out and shot his neighbors because they were shoveling snow onto his lawn. And, and we see these things that are so real that, you know, especially the kids, like nothing scares them anymore because they, they see this shock and gore. It's everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that was, uh, that was, by far the scariest film I've ever seen. Still I know. I know. And, and that's the thing too. Like, I mean, it was, I don't know what the budget was on that. I'm sure it wasn't astronomical, but it doesn't have to be like uh, Michael Bay explosions and all this kind of stuff to make a good, it's the writing, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And they had the, the cast, the cast was impeccable. The writing had to be great. And the, the really the, the, the photography in it, man, uh, the, all the shades and all the darkness and all the, slow moving cameras and it just was just amazing man. yeah and it's what they didn't do i mean we expected like some jump scares and things like that and there was a there was a bunch of those but it wasn't based on that and you were scared about what was going to happen and sometimes nothing even really happened it was just the anticipation that listen that shot of both priests and the cameras it's a low angle camera shot yeah and it's up the stairs and they're at the <sighs> bottom of the stairs and he's saying father Karras." Don't listen to her. She will lie. The devil will lie. He's having that whole conversation with him. The camera's between both of their heads. Yeah. And you can see at the top, there's lights below in that room. And you know she's tied up in there. And I was in the theater like, dudes, don't go up there. There's no reason to go up there. Run away. Mm -hmm. Golly, man. But you're right. It's the anticipation. And they're having this long conversation about what they're getting ready to do. And you're just going, well, you don't need to go up there. Guys. I know it's like, it's like the blonde girl. In, I know it's like the blonde from. girl in the cabin. You're going to go, I'm just going to go out for a smoke. Don't go out there, blonde girl. You're going to yeah. die. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So here is a question from well, actually before a question, uh, Karina says, tell Rex, I went to the commemor- commemor- comm- commemoration uh, for the exorcist steps in Georgetown a couple of years ago. That's cool. Oh, oh, fantastic. Nice. That's fantastic. Uh, from William Friedkin and William Peter Blatty, director and author, were there, uh, were there and met them both, she says. Okay, nice, nice. Um, a question coming in again. For, this is a, 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 a fan-submitted question from Robin Salazar. Uh, when you said you were tricked into reading for CSI Miami, what's the story? I love Trip. Oh, well, I, um, the thing is, is that they wanted me to to go in and read for this homicide detective for, for, for one episode. And I just done a film with Kurt Russell breakdown. I just done a film with Harrison Ford. Both the reason I bring that up to throw, I'm not throwing names out. Yep. It's just that I played cops. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I, and with Kevin Costner and I, I just said, if they want me to play a cop, just send the resume tape and tell me to make an off, tell them, like, oh, 
my manager called back and he said, they don't hire off a of resume tape, so you got to come in. I said, I'm just not going to come in. I cringe every time I think about this story. So uh, then they called back and said, well, Joe Chappelle uh, is, a, is a fan of yours. He was one of the executive producers on CSMI. He would just like to meet with you. You know, and so I went there and sure enough, uh, and I saw like four or five actors. I wanted to get their autographs uh, <laughs> that were sitting in the room with highlighted dialogue and they prepared, you know, mm-hmm. well, I got in the room and I talked to Joe Chappelle. We talked for quite a long time and he said, look, I got to read you. Would you mind doing a cold reading or whatever? And so I did. And, uh, and it was not very good. I didn't think, but so, uh, anyway, when I left, I was really mad, uh, with myself because I just thought these other guys had been preparing, you know, they, they, you know, there's no way I'm going to get it. And two days later they called and, and, uh, I got the role and then, uh, I ended up doing nine episodes that year. And then the next year I did 13 episodes and then the next year I did 19 episodes. And then they finally brought me on as a series regular. So I cringe every time I think about the phone call when I said, no, I'm not going to go on and read for a homicide detective. I know. Right. And I think honestly, yeah, I, I think, and in my personal opinion, that was the biggest mark you made on me. I mean, until Better Call Saul come around, I've loved a lot. And I'll talk about this as a question later on in the program. But when I think back, you know, I watched a lot of that show and, you know, you you were great. And and that's a memory I'll always uh, cherish if, as you're, you're part of that show. Thank you. Yeah. It was fun because I got to be the smart ass, you know. I mean, yes. I didn't have to say, I wasn't a CSI dude, so I didn't have to say all their w- long, weird names and all the things they had to describe, and I could just. Yeah, that's right. No, and, and you know, what's funny is like it, when you said you almost, you well, you, you kind of said you didn't want to do it. I'm not sure if you know the whole story about uh, Michael Slovis. But Michael Slovis was on the show a while back and obviously a Breaking Bad alum. And, yeah. you know, they, they reached out to him and, you know, made the phone call like we'd like you to come and, uh, you know, and be director of photography and, and, and direct for us and whatnot. And he's like, he, so he tells his wife, he says, no, I'm not interested. Hangs up, tells his wife. She's like, who's that? And I was like, awesome production. They want me out in the desert. I, I, I don't feel like it. Then um, Sony or wherever sent them uh, the, uh, or AMC sent uh, the, the dailies or like, and actually not that sent like, uh, uh, like an overnight package of the first season. And we saw the pilot, saw a couple other episodes. He watched the pilot and he tells his wife, I'm making the call. I'm, we're going, we're going to Albuquerque. Wow. Yeah. So same good, idea, right? Good move on his part. I know. And it changed, it changed a lot of he things. He did great work on the show, man. He was great. He All did. He did. Yeah, it's him Him, and, of course, you, now you working with uh, Marshall Adams. He's been on the program as well, too. Just yeah, yeah. just what they do. I mean, every shot that both those gentlemen do is, is a postcard yeah. you could send to your friends. It really is art. I mean, I don't want to sound corny, but it's it's artistic what they do, man. Every shot's or every other shot's a Picasso. I mean, it's just killer what they do. I know. They make us look good. Yeah, right? I know, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And we, we could have a show just, just talking about the behind the scenes things. Okay, I'm going to a couple other text questions coming in a moment. Before we do that, we're going to jump back to our members. So here is one from Lori. Uh, Lori, I, I like to say I like to say about Lori, uh, she's a good friend, and she's like the female Mike Ermintrout. She uh, she deep dives every question. Like she finds out, like well, actually Michael Slovis, uh, she uh, I didn't know that he played guitar and, and banjo and things like that. She did. I'm like wow, and he was oh, just wow. so impressed that she knew that. So here's a question from Lori. Here she is. Hi there, Rex. This is Lori. Can you tell us how did you get involved in duck calling? 
How many people did you compete against when you won the Oklahoma State competition? And how many did you compete against nationally when you placed fourth? Thank you so much. Great question. Great question. Lori, 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 Lori. God bless you. I'm so glad you asked me that question. You know, my, I, I was the 1987 Oklahoma State duck calling champion, whether you like it or not. My dad used to say, why would you tell people that? Why would you brag about that? I'd be proud. So, but it's funny. Uh, we didn't set this up, did we? No. Nope. We did not set this up. Nope. I just happened to have a championship duck call. Nice. Session that sits right here. And I did, and Lori, I did such calls like this against, there were, there were about a hundred contestants. All right. I did little things like this, the Mallard feeding call. Or the lonely Mallard hen. Or the hail call. I'm so glad she asked that question. Can you believe I have that call there? Too? That's I'm great. It just sits there. Now, I didn't know you had that, but since how we're, we're doing a show and tell, I had no idea about a duck call, but I do know something you showed me. It was on your desk today. You've got some magic, some magic coins, magic buttons. Well, I just wanted to show you earlier. I have, uh, uh, we get coins at the end of every year from, from uh, Better Call Saul uh, in our gift bag. And these are really cool coins, and they're from starting with me, season two, three, four, and five. That's really cool. That's one of them. This is one of them. This is my favorite because it was season five, which is my favorite so far because I was in a lot of them. Lots of them, yeah. That's beautiful. Five, one. And then you got the uh, four. That's pretty cool. Yes, it is. And then uh, I keep up here for good luck. And then... This one's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have those and in, in, my, in my duck call. As, I'm so glad Lori asked me that question. It just got me excited. Of course, well, I'll never work again. Our, <laughs> our fans and, and, and viewers and their friends, they have the greatest questions. I mean, hands down. I just push the buttons and they do all the good work. But as you and I were talking, and, and I'm, if people are watching at home right now have noticed that little click when you put those down, that's a nice solid piece of metal, those buttons, aren't they? Yeah, they're great. And they're, they're, I will cherish them forever. Can't, can't take them away from me. No, that's right. That's nice. That's, I got to yeah. talk to Tom and say, Tom, you got any extra buttons? I'll see if he can send me some. That'd be nice. I bet he will. He might. He Tom's might. Tom's a good guy. He, he will. Is. Yeah. I sent him a pillow and I sent him a hat. I'll see if that works out and see if I can get a couple buttons. We'll see. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. He, we're going to jump over to another question. We're going to come back to the text ones momentarily. This is a question from Renata Rodriguez. Uh, she's one of our moderators here. And uh, I think we have one from her husband coming up in a moment as well, too, or her hubby. Anyways, this is from Renata. Hello, Rex. I know you were born and bred in Texas, and you play that remarkably well in Better Call Saul, but also countless other shows and movies such as The Ranch, Monty Walsh, Wyatt Earp. Okay, so I guess what I'm asking is, is this legit? <laughs> or do you just play it up? Are you really a true blue cowboy at heart? A true blue cowboy at heart. Absolutely. I, and I've always, you know, I grew up around cowboys, but I've never been a cowboy. I, I, I roped for a long time, roped steers and, and little rodeos and jackpots and 
Um, so that's as close as I've ever come, really. I grew up uh, in Spearman, Texas, and my father, who was an attorney, also uh, bought and sold cattle. And so we had a ranch, uh, some property outside of town. So every summer I'd work out there with uh, the ranch foreman, Dale Hawkins. And um, so, but I was, I always wanted to be a cowboy. And I was never good enough and never could really grasp it. I mean, a cowboy is a different breed, man. And you can't fake it. Yeah. You cannot fake it. And uh, so I've never been one, but I'm absolutely answer your question. Yes, I'm a cowboy heart. And, and uh, that's why I've been, she mentioned some of the Westerns, you know, one of the great moments in my career uh, so far was standing on my horse. It was a bay horse. His name was Dallas, was Dallas, and we were outside of two, uh, Santa Fe, and we were filming um, Wide Earp, and uh, I played Frank McClory, who was one of the two brothers that got killed in the OK Corral, and they were filming me riding into town, into Tombstone, and they were they did exactly this. The, they went down 4th Street and then on Broadway. They did everything, and, and they filmed me coming in town the night before the shootout, and, and uh, I was sitting on Dallas, my horse, and they were, they had like eight or nine cameras rolling. And there was just a moment where we were waiting uh, for the sun to be just right. The sun was going down in New Mexico. And I, and you know, those, those New Mexican, those New Mexico sunsets are the best in the United States. I bet. They really are. I was sitting on this horse and we only had time to do one shot and the sky is purple and orange. And, you know, and I just thought this is a long way from Spearman, Texas. Yeah, and I just thought I get to I get a paycheck to get on a horse and play an infamous guy who really did exist and really did get shot and killed in the OK Corral, and he's riding into town, and I'm on a great horse, and I got my six guns, I got the scar on my face that Frank McClory had, everything. And I just I said I don't know if I, I could ever beat this. No, that was, that was in 1994. Isn't that great? still uh is uh imprinted in my in my soul cowboy at heart i remember it vividly i I so yes i'm absolutely a a cowboy fantastic though that's good to know do you know a Rhonda bayless that that would be my sister okay well she's fishing (laughs) she's fishing for questions she says do you have a picture of your sissy on your desk you better get Um, one you better get one if you don't oh wait a minute ha 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 Look at this. Welcome to the program, Rhonda. Look at this. Oh, look a little higher, a little higher. That is great. Look at that. Those are Spearman, Texas kids right there. Look look at her now. Does she show up? Is she showing up? There? Yeah, she is. Adorable. Yeah, look, look at, wait a minute. Look at that good looking dude. <laughs> look at the, you, you got a little bit more hair than you do now. Well, look at that. That's Kevin Wattell when he was little. <laughs> That's he was great. studying banking then. There you go. There you go. So yeah, Rhonda, I do. Nice. I'm glad I saw. I'm glad I saw that one. And Rhonda, welcome to the program. Nice to have you here. Okay, we're going to jump over to a couple uh, text questions. Uh, this is from Haley. Uh, Haley says, "Hi Rex, I'm a huge fan and was wondering if you and Reba are going to be on an episode of Young Sheldon together in the future." Oh man, I hope so. We were talking about that today and yesterday. Reba's got such a great character on Young Sheldon, and they're asking her back now. They got more. She's she's been doing her her uh, episodes right now. She does a lot of stuff with Annie Potts, and she just finished an episode. She's starting a new one next week. Then they've asked her to do another one. 
So we've we've already planted the seed. It'll never happen. Yeah. Because the and the principal is not gonna. They're not gonna let him out of high school. You know. So, uh, but yes, I would love to do a scene with Reba and and Melissa Peterman, who is on the show too, and used to be on the Reba show. One a dear friend of ours and a very very close friend of Reba's. So yeah, we're we're talking about we're planting the seed with Steve Malero uh, to try to to uh, see if we can't get a scene together on Young Sheldon. Oh, sure. that'd be great. That'd be so that'd be so awesome. He had to work together for a bit. Uh, two questions back to back. This is from Eamon, and then the second one's going to be from his better half, Louise. So okay. Eamon is more of a, a little bit of a, a question slash statement. Says, uh, shame it got canceled, but the series Lethal Weapon was so great. Uh, what was the experience like on that show? Great time on the show. You know, they let me play as an actor. I mean, these things sound horrible in real life, but, I mean, as an actor, uh they asked me to play a character uh, who was an alcoholic, a mechanic, a child abuser, and a pill popper. Mm. And, and, and to play the father of the lead guy who was played by Clay Crawford, great actor. And, man, I, I couldn't say yes fast enough. And so the experience for me was great. Talk about a scar now. They had an amazing scar on this whole side of my face. And I got to wear a little hairpiece. I've always wanted to wear a, some hairpiece yeah. just to have a different look. And I, I told them I'd like to have a comb over. And they were like, really? I go, yeah, man. Like a, yeah. If, he's a, if he's that guy, let's yeah. get a comb over going. They made a great hairpiece for me, a comb over. And and, uh, and the experience for me was great. It was uh it was a real, really wonderful experience, and I, I, I loved doing it, and and um, uh, it was some of my. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had to really concentrate on it and really try to be, as, uh, as uh, sort of uh, sleazy as I possibly could and mean as I possibly could. So it's nice to get into that role, like outside fun. of your normal things. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was fun. That's good. Um, I'm keeping an eye on time. We're doing good. 940 here, Eastern Standard Time. We've got a lot of questions coming through. This is a super chat from Andrew Nowak. It says, Inside Gilliverse Rocks, thank you for being here, Rex. You are fantastic. Thank you, Andrea. And she's got a question coming up uh, in a moment, too, as an audio question. And a super chat from Shashank Vicharia says, uh, One of my favorite scenes of you in the show was Wexler versus Goodman uh, with Bob and Ray. Could you take us through how it was filming the scene? Oh, man. Uh, that was amazing. First of all, it's the first time I'd ever been with Bob on 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 in any scene, which which uh, uh, reminds me of you know carrying on. It was episode six, carrying on into the parking lot. We did the parking lot scene, and uh, it was amazing. I mean, I have to say, first of all, without sounding like kissing anybody's butt, uh, you know, Ray Ray, uh, who I have all my scenes with, and Kara Kara Pifko, who plays Paige, and. You know, I couldn't be with a better uh, group of angels uh, than than they are. Ray is one of the, our best actors that we have too, and it's a, it's a, it's amazing that she's never been nominated. And that, I mean, you know, at least the Rolling Stone got it right when they said she's the best dramatic actor of 2020, and I agree. She's unbelievable, just amazing, and Bob is amazing. And I couldn't, I was hoping maybe someday I'd get to do a scene with him, and so then. Voila, they, we have the scene where he comes in the boardroom and and uh, makes a fool out of me. And, <laughs> and, but it was it was so much fun because we got to rehearse it and rehearse it and we rehearsed it away from the set. 
and we really got into it. And Bob was brilliant in there, man. He was, I, it was a great acting class for me. Yeah. I mean, that was my experience. It was a great acting class between Ray and Bob and Kara. And I got to watch these great actors. And, and you know, there was a, honestly, there was a point. Uh, and right after that scene was in the parking lot where, mm-hmm. where, where Kevin Wattell and, 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 uh, Saul or Jimmy at the time had, or actually saw at that time, Saul uh, had a little confrontation and I was just thinking, man, I'm doing better call Saul. Right. I know it just hits you. <laughs> and while we were rehearsing in that boardroom, we're going, that was a nine page scene that took us two days to film that man. It was a long, actually it was 13 pages. Okay. Man, I was just sitting there thinking, I'm an actor in this really cool scene. That's what I was thinking, too. And, and sometimes I had to go, all right, dude, you better pay attention. You're Kevin Wattell. All right. <laughs> you, oh, Mesa now you get your shit together. You know. Anyway, so uh, it was a great, great two days of filming. We worked hard on it. And, and then, um, and all right, we talked about Tom. We talked about Tom earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he was, it was great to see him on the set to, the next day, I, the confrontation where I walk in the parking lot and see Saul, and he was leaning up against the esteem, yeah. the car, the, old, the the Jimmy McGill car, which to me is like the Batmobile. I and know so what he AD, is. Oh, I'm serious. The first AD was there, and I was I was just standing there looking at his go. And Bob Bob was over uh, uh, talking and, uh, uh, to the director, and I was just looking at the car, and I went, "Just look." <laughs> and the first AD go, looked at me, and goes, "What?" I said. It's Jimmy McGill. Look, I mean, look, this is his car, man. I know. And he he just looked at me like, okay. And I went, <laughs> this is like the Batmobile, man. Exactly. It's a piece I of mean, crap Batmobile, but it's still the Batmobile. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, well, you can get in it if you want. I said, I would dare touch it. Yeah. It's like I wouldn't touch the Batmobile. Exactly. No way, man. Anyway, I had a great to answer the question. I, I, I had a great time during that scene and in and, and the parking lot scene, which was a continuation of the scene that she's talking about. And and uh, at the end of the two days, we felt like uh, all of us felt like that we had accomplished. Uh, Greatness. Uh, we had accomplished something and that we brought what was on the page, which was great stuff. We thought we, we, we did a, we thought we brought it to life. So that's yeah, it was great. Amazing. I won't ever forget it. Well, you know, it's funny. Just, just a segue for a quick second there. You know, you're saying like you're sitting there. You're okay. I'm, I'm talking to uh, Bob Odenkirk. I'm in Better Call Saul. I had the same impression about four times with you this week. I mean, you and you've actually called me about four times this week, just before bed last night, and you apologize. You're like, oh, I hope you're not waking me up. And uh, you know, I'm sitting on the couch when, and Nicole's beside me, and I'm, I'm saying, yep, yep. I saw Rex is calling, and then she looks over at me, and she just looks at me as I'm talking to you, and then I n- nice conversation. Then I hang up. I'm like, oh my god, I was just talking to Rex Lynn. You know, and oh, it hits man. you after the fact. It's pretty cool. Oh, love you. Thank you. Well, even the first, day, that. the first day you called me, you're like, you, I mean, we talk, you, you, you called me talking as Kevin Wattell and like, Eric, I heard you're looking for a loan. I'm like, yeah, I want to get a Camaro and uh, blah, blah, blah. But you treated me like a long lost buddy. So I, I, much respect to you, my friend. Oh, I appreciate it. Here's, here's a continued question from Eamon's better half, Louise. She says, oh, no, this, this may require a prop. You got some glasses, sunglasses or anything within reach? Uh, I've got glasses. That, I don't have sunglasses. Okay, that'll work. We're going to pretend we're going to use the power of cinema mind, the mind here, power of the mind. She okay. says, can you give us an impression of David Caruso giving us a sunglasses removal and look? 
I'm not very good at it. I, I saw it for 10 years. <laughs> I'm really the worst. Honestly, I'm, I wish I had sunglasses. It, it doesn't work with yeah. these glasses. Well, so it just see? doesn't work. Okay. But, but, but I mean, I would do that, but I'm bad at it. Okay. I'm as bad as anybody is. And I've seen people that can really do it. Yeah. I'm just not very good. And if I do it, it's going to be worse than, I mean, my, my, look, this would be my, this would be my impression. I'd go, I go, what do we got, Frank? And then I would say, well, we got a male Caucasian bullet hole in the back of the head. Blah, blah, blah. Well, then it's time to go. And, you know, and he just do this and go. And then, <laughs> I mean, I can't do it. I just can't do David Caruso. Only David can do David Caruso. But I tell you, man, I've run into peep fans and uh, uh, airports and stuff, and I think, that sounded exactly like him. Yeah. I spent a lot of years with David and, and watched him do that same thing, and I still can't do it. Isn't I that just funny? Can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I got two I mean <laughs> That's great. Okay, well, here's a question from Gary. This is going to be an audio question, and this is uh, Renata's hubby. So we're going to go over to this one, Gary here. Hey, Rex. Uh, I always enjoy looking through IMDb to see, and other places, to see the job histories of true working actors like yourself who are primarily cast in supporting roles and in, in niche characters, which you do so well. My main question is, of all the supporting roles you've played, can you name a few for us that you felt really highlighted your talent? Uh, in your opinion, like what you wanted to do as an actor, or perhaps that were your best performances that maybe the rest of us never saw. And just for fun, <laughs> what can you tell us about the film Hot Bath and a Stiff Drink? I want to watch it just for the name, but only if you recommend. Okay, uh, let's break that down. Let's see. First of all, um, well, I have to go back to Cliffhanger um as a supporting role it was my first movie mm -hmm. and uh um I, I would say that 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 stands out as uh uh just because you know the, the the people i was around man just they they raised the bar they elevated everything you know john lithgow who, who's one of my dearest friends i mean and sly great actor and and and, you know, we had a lot of supporting people uh, that were really well-trained actors from all over the world. And, and so it was a, it, it, uh, it was a talk about an acting lesson for me. It was a, it was an acting class that you can't get. Mm -hmm. an acting class. Uh, so I have to say that I would also have to say, um, breakdown, which never really got much advertising, but it turned into a cult film as a film I did with Kurt Russell. Uh, I, my, uh, I, I felt really good about my work there. Uh, I don't feel great about my work a lot of times, but, uh, and then, uh, you know, um, I have to say 10 cup. Okay. I, I love my, I like my work in 10 cup and, and, uh, it was certainly a character driven thing. And I, I kind of built my character up as much as I could and scratching and clawing for, uh, for camera time, you know, as much as I could. And, uh, I have to mention that. And then, you know, also, uh, although it's very popular and so I, I have loved better call Saul so much and I'm not just saying it because we're doing Gilliverse. Mm -hmm. It's that the writing has been there. They've, you know, I signed on for one episode. I've done 12 or 13 now and, and hope I'm doing more <laughs> Peter. 
bitch. Make that phone uh, call. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I, so I, everything that they've written for me has been fantastic. So I have to, I have to put better call Saul in there for sure. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, so, you know, I, I tell you what, I saw the other night for the first time in a long time, we spoke of it earlier. I saw wider the other night. It was late and I haven't seen it in years and years and years and years. I would have to put that in there too. Yeah. So, the great thing about it is uh, in these things that uh, I had, the, it was on the page and I have to tell this quick story. I did uh, uh, a movie uh, that Sam Shepard was starring in with Val Kilmer and um, uh, it's called Thunder, Thunderheart. And it, was, it took place up in South Dakota. I played an FBI agent. And it's a true story about the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and all that. Anyway, I got to know Sam Shepard, God rest his soul, because he, he wrote steers at the time and and i heard him talking about it and he wasn't flying he was driving so he drove in with his his uh his suburban and his two horses and and i heard him talking about roping and so i told him i rope so we got to end up rope we roped in these little jackpots on the weekends and so you know i was with legendary sam shepherd but sam never brought up ever never brought up writing uh, or, or, or acting and that's all i wanted to do he wanted to know where i was from how long have i been roping what was my first horse blah blah, blah all that and then one night we got back we were in kadoka south dakota we were playing in a pool tournament in this bar mm-hmm. and i'd had a couple of beers just enough beer to um ask him a question and i said sam do you have any advice for me at all as far as acting can you give me some advice and he took the, he was, he had a little shot of bourbon and he was looking down. It was an old beat up bar. Uh, 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 and he, he was looking down and he was, he, he was tapping his hand on the bar. And I was like, why did you ask that question? You idiot. You know, I thought, why I've gone this far roping steers with him, having fun. You blew and it. Now I paid him out. And he goes, it's gotta be on the page, man. It's got to be on the page. If it's not on the page, I don't care how good you are as an actor. You got it's got to be on the page, man. And then he looked over. He goes, "Are we up?" Meaning, are we playing pool? Yeah, that's all he ever said. Is that something? Remember it. That's the great thing about Better Call Saul and a couple of those other projects I mentioned, man. It's on the page, man. Yeah. Page. And speaking of page, in a different uh, sense, uh, Kara is watching right now in the chat. She's saying, this is like uh, having dinner with Rex. Pleasure to have you all at the table to bask in his storytelling. Very well said. She's the best. Hater. <laughs> and I got a, 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 a good nod to her for a second as well, too. And let's take a quick second. You talked about the, the staff and everyone at Better Call Saul headquarters. Let's give a nod to not just a couple of these women like Kara and Ray, but I mean, the power of women in the Gilliverse is, in, is insanely big the writing the writers they're all recognized right now there's there's a, a several uh of some of the world's greatest writers that just happen to be female bialy thomas uh in casting heather marion wrote one of my favorite i mean thank you again heather 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 thank you and then all of the writers and the directors and, and the people that run it melissa and everybody just uh they're they're powerful the 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 uh it's run by some really, really great people. And, uh, and Heather, as a matter of fact, wrote the episode five of season five mm-hmm. and she did a great job 
on on Kevin Wattell, and I will be forever indebted to her. And yes. all, all the all the female writers and and the people that are great. We've had a few on the show and Heather and I have actually become very good friends, very good friends. We talk, oh, yeah, yeah she, she sent me an email today, obviously just about you because she, we're friends on Facebook as well too, but we, we talk a lot actually. Uh, ever since she's come on, it just was so uplifting, you know, like we, we just hit it off really, really well and we've talked a lot and she said um, some very nice things about you. Like she said, you're her dear friend and you're, oh. we're going to have a treat with you tonight and of course we all know that, but yeah, she's, she's awesome. She is. Yeah, but they are. I mean, Peter, Vince and Peter both, most all of them have done a great job. They have put the most amazing family together. Obviously, starting with Breaking Bad days and carrying on over into into Better Call Saul. Look, I still think, and I'll say it to this day, I think Breaking Bad was the best series of television series that's ever been made. I told Peter and Vince that, and so to be able to be a part of Better Call Saul. And it's just skyrocketing up there too. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, I thank God for it every day to be part of this, this family. I know, I know it's a different universe altogether, but it's almost like being in star Wars, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. We, um, we're running a bit short on time, but I really want to make sure we get these questions and we have some great ones. I'm going to do my very, very best to get through here. So here's a question coming in, an audio question from uh, one of our moderators and friends, Jennifer Stevens. And here is her question. It's speaking of star Wars. Hi, Rex. Thanks for coming on the show. My name is Jennifer Stevens, and my question for you is, how did you prepare for your role in Cliffhanger? Thanks. How did you prepare for that role? We talked about the show, but how did you prepare for it? Yeah, well, that's funny uh, because uh, I'm all about preparation, and I got, to make a really long story short, I got that role. I did a screen test with Stallone. I I read for that, uh, uh, for Cliffhanger, a year prior and then the movie got postponed. And I read for a guy that had two lines. Okay. It brought me back to read for the fourth lead, which I eventually got. Thank you, God. Uh, and, um, but they cast me on a Sunday and in about two weeks I was flying to Rome. So, I mean, I didn't really have a whole lot of time to prepare other, other than, uh, uh, I had to somehow, uh, figure out everything that I was mad about in my lifetime and try to put all that and write it down so I could take it with me mm-hmm. uh, because I knew I was going to be with, well, man, I was going to be with John Lithgow. I mean, I was like, Oh man, under, how am I going to do this? You know? Yeah. So it, 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 uh, the preparation was, I had very little time to prepare, but thank God for John Lithgow and Rennie Harlan at the time. And, and, uh, and, and Sly, they were amazingly supportive. And so it was, it was, a uh, it was trial by error every day, man. It took us five and a half months to film. And, and, uh, uh we filmed up in the Dolomites, uh, in Northern Italy and then, and then on to Rome on stage. But, uh, my preparation was really in front of the camera. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that to, in, in any narcissistic or pretentious nope. way, because some of it I did, some of the stuff I did on there was terrible, Yeah. but I, I, I just, uh, I didn't have any time to prepare really. So I just started thinking about some of the things I learned in acting class and emotional recall and figure out what makes me mad and angry and fearful and Mm -hmm. everything else. And I just wrote it down and took it with me. And the music world, in the music world, we call that muscle memory, all those days of practicing and you go by muscle memory and and you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And speaking of which, I'm just going to, we'll jump off of uh, cliffhanger in a second, but um, I think the official count of you saying, God damn it, 
is somewhere around 97. And maybe some fans can get the number. Can you give us a, a typical, God damn it. No, I hate to say that word, the GD word. I can't do it. I'll I, I tell you, somebody sent me that video, <laughs> yes. that, that internet thing, and yep. I was so embarrassed. Can I, let me just tell you, the first time I said that in the F word in Cliffhanger, uh, my mom looked at me. Oh, no. Took her to the premiere, uh, and, and uh, uh, she looked at me, and she goes, is this going to get worse? Oh, no. I, I oh, said, no. Mom, it is going to get worse. But I said, it's just, it's in the script, you know? So it's in, she goes, I'm going to call all the relatives in Texas. Some of the relatives we still had at the time in Texas had teenagers. And I knew that all those guys, those teenage boys were going to go see this. She goes, I'm going to call all the relatives. And she did. Oh, she boy. said, Rex, Rex was not raised this way. You guys know that he didn't, he's, he just, but his language is terrible. And, you know, so we went all the way through there and I said, mom, I'm, I'm in my first big movie. So yeah, you gotta forgive the language. Yeah. She had yeah. to put the disclaimer out that it wasn't her fault. Right. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, you know what? It's probably a good thing that we didn't go down that road because we have two other great moms that watch the show on a regular basis. Tom Schnauzer's mom watches and Vince Gilligan's mom watches as well, too. So, yeah. So glad I didn't. We behaved ourselves. I might have said the bad words, so it's all my fault tonight. Okay, we're going to jump over to a question all the way over from Germany. This is from our good friend, Andrea Nowak. Here we go from Germany. Hello, Rex. My name is Andrea. I come from Germany. And I would like to know, what do you think of Ria Sion's impression of Kevin in that scene where she is talking to Saul and imitating Kevin's voice? Thank you. Awesome question. Uh, my favorite scene. Period. I watched it. I'm going to say this. This guy, people are going to say, that dude is creepy. <laughs> First of all, on the set, when I read it on the script, I wanted to be on the set. And I asked Heather. To, I said, mate, can you call me when she's going to do that? And I went to the set and she was like, Ray was like, uh, no, Mr. Lynn, I love you, but you're not going to be here. You're not going to sit here and scrutinize my way. I am. You can leave and watch it when it airs. You're, you cannot be here. Uh, uh, she did that so well. And she got the hard R's because I'm not from the South. I, I, I grew up in Texas and we're, we're not from the South. Uh, uh, southern accents are completely different from a Texas accent, mm -hmm. and it's hard. And I said, all I can tell you is just do your hard R's, like we are. You know, you, you just have to have hard R's. You're, and so uh, when I saw that air, when that episode aired, I rewound that about five times. She was fantastic in that scene, and then. And then the whole side sitting thing, you know, I, that that all came about as a mistake because I couldn't get my legs under the, the board room. So I just sure. I asked them, if, is it all right if I just sit like this? And they said, yeah. So I just started doing it. And then they incorporated that into the script. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jimmy's talking about, is he? A, so he's a side sitter. All of that dialogue. <laughs> Again, it's on the page. And, and anyway, she did a phenomenal job on that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes of better. It might be my favorite scene of better call. Saul. that sounds a little narcissistic, but her imitation was just great. Well, that's awesome. Did she do a lot of takes or was it relatively low takes? I don't know. I wasn't there. Oh, right. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. You would, of course I you were. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to ask her yeah, when she comes so back I'm again. I'm sure she didn't do a whole lot. Yeah. 
well, she, she never does. She's she's spot on in just about everything she does. But man, I just loved it. I thought it was great. It was even, good. Even when when Jimmy asked her to do an imitation, her answer was so honest. I mean, she's such an honest actor, and and, and uh, I mean, her answer was something like, "I'm not going to do an imitation." Yeah, that. that's stupid. do the voice. Do the voice. Well, that's, that's yeah. Then she, then she does it. And but that moment where she switches gears and went, you know, we would, I do this because I'm not nearly as good an actor as she is. I do this. I'd go, okay. Oh, she did all that without doing anything. Yeah. She did it right between here. She did it right in her eyes. Uh, she did that. She said that in that very two second moment. Well, I have a great segue for you right now because this is good. This is a question from Sharon D. She goes by Blazy Gardner sometimes uh, on uh, on social media. I know what this question is already. I'm kind of spoiled because I get to know this and it's a continuation for what Andrea said. So here you go. Listen to this one. Hi, Eric. Hi, Rex. Thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, this is Sharon D. from North Carolina. And first I'd like to ask Rex, um, if Kevin Martell was not a banker what line of work would he be in and i know one of everybody's favorite parts of last season was um kim's impression of kevin so would you do an impression of kim for us thank you so much for being with us i hope you have an awesome night you're on the, you're on the spot now buddy yeah well there's no way i could do an impression to kim because i can't talk to her she's always talking about it. anyway i'll tell you this is if you if i was kevin if i played it with kim and then she'd go no what? No. No. Anyway, I would have to talk really fast while I was playing Kim because Kim said, what? Did she take care of it? Oh, well, we can do that too. So that's the best I can do because she talks way too fast to me. Now, do you have a ponytail back there that we can't see? I don't, man, nope. but I wish I did. Although I don't know about guys that are bald and they have ponytails back there. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not one for I it. I think guys. I'm jealous. That's what, that's, that's it. Yeah. The other thing, what would Kevin Wattel be doing? If he wasn't a banker. How about a drummer? How about a drummer? I know what he, no, no, although I'm wrong. <laughs> he would be navigating a cruise ship called the Breaking Bad Better Call Saw Water Rocket. There you go. I I like that. There you go, Sharon D. and Blaze Gardner. That is fantastic. That's a great answer. I like it. We've, we've got... We've got, I think, a time for the last two questions here that are text questions coming in. So you kind of talked about what your favorite scene in Better Call Saul of yours, you know, getting a chance to be, uh, you know, Wexler versus Goodman, you being in that 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 uh, boardroom, and that was a great scene. But maybe this could be that could be the answer to this question, or it could just be a scene that you like. Period. You maybe not even one of your scenes. This is from Kathy Lattice. Says, "What is your favorite Better Call Saul episode?" Just as a fan outside looking in, is there another one that you would say is one of your favorites? Um, you know what? I always go back to, I have a lot of favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, it might be the first, it might be the pilot. It might be the first episode of the first season. Okay. is one of my favorites. Good, good. And, and I love it because I knew that, of course, you know, most, and, and, and it's understandable, most people, they want to see Breaking Bad right off the bat. Yeah. You know, people, people would ask me, they, my friends would call me, dude, I love Better Call Saul. Where are the Breaking Bad people? And, I'm gonna, and I always responded, uh, it's called Better Call Saul. It's different. It's not called Better Call Breaking Bad. That's right. 
Although, again, Breaking Bad's the best show I think has ever been made, really. But the fact that I knew it was going to be so far removed, I was expecting it to be so far removed from Breaking Bad. I wanted to see something different, you know, and it, it just satisfied me. So that's one of my favorite favorite episodes of Better Call Saul. I mean, it really is. Nice. But there's so many that I love. I, I mean, know. Just great. And Jonathan Banks, my dear friend, Jonathan, love you, brother. He's in, he's done so many, so much good work, but he's in so many, his, his monologue, his monologue in season five was, was, uh, it might've been four. I think it's five. Uh, no, it was, it was season four. I think episode five, his monologue about his son. Yeah. uh, I'm telling you, man, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite episodes. And hell, if I looked at it, I'd have about 20 of them. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one as well, too. It's, I mean, even if someone asks you, is there an episode you don't like? I don't think you could find one, you know, and the ones that you like, it's just too hard to narrow them down. This is probably our last question for the evening. This is from Jody White it says, Hey, Rex, it's P and J from OKC. Do you think Mr. Creepy would be, a, would make a good horror movie? I'm sure Rhonda found it scary. That's a friend of mine that we, we, uh, they came out with my sister, friends uh, of my sister and, we were driving around looking at Halloween lights one night, and this is the truth. This is not going to even sound scary to anybody. <laughs> it's going to sound weird, so I won't even uh, elaborate on it much. But we saw a guy up in this nice neighborhood. We saw him standing behind his big brick mailbox, and he was just standing there. So we thought, well, that, maybe he's going to break in or something. So we went up the hill and turned around and came back, and then he had already walked all the way across to the other side of his yard. It was the guy that lived there and he was just walking around in the dark and we kept driving. Around. So I, na- I nicknamed him Mr. Creepy. Okay. And, uh, uh, he was really weird. And, and so, yeah, he would be good on breaking back too. That's yeah. awesome. Well, the only thing we didn't, the only thing we didn't touch base on, and this is just a, a, I hate, I would feel guilty if I didn't ask this to just tell us a little bit about the role. You talked about that role of almost uh, not getting CSI. Why, tell, can you tell us about the audition for, for Better Call Saul? Yeah, uh, it was great. Um, so I get in there, and it's uh, the, the uh, Sharon Sharon were in there, the great casting, the best casting directors in our business. And uh, it was, um, I was a furniture salesman, and I was trying to sell used furniture, a couch, to a married couple, a okay. young married couple. And I was like, What? what so i had to try to sell uh i had to try to sell uh uh uh, furniture uh to a married couple and then the other they had another scene where i was a military guy okay so i was like a uh uh, a military uh drill sergeant or a sergeant and i read some of that dialogue and and, uh neither of which had anything to do with with the show of course I, i have to tell you they had brought me back in for Uncle Jack and Breaking Bad. Okay, and and uh, and I didn't I didn't get that role. Obviously, Michael got it, but uh, uh, I just thought. So when they brought me in for Better Call Saul, I was a nervous wreck. Man, I don't get that nervous for auditions. Yeah, but I wanted it so badly. Did you? And I wanted I wanted to be on Breaking Bad. Now there's my chance to be on. It's it's extended arm. Yes, you know, and I was uh, my heart rate was up, and I was like, "Rex, calm down, man." And uh, anyway, it, it it sure worked out though, and so that was that was my audition experience, and I was never so happy 
professionally, uh, one of my moments in my career to get that phone call that I, I got the role on Better Call Saul, man, I was like, yeah, baby. I'm so happy for you. I mean, I, I can just imagine. So you probably said to your mind, in your mind, I don't care what it takes. I am going to get this part, right? Yeah, well, I tell you, man, I, I was praying. I got mad when I got that parking lot. I was mad. I didn't think I had a very good yeah. audition, but it, but it worked out for sure. We're our own worst critics. You know, we are. I it, agree. Yeah. I'm very happy. I've got a super chat from Jennifer Stevens. Thank you so much. And uh, Kara says, a better call Saul Cruz sounds amazing. Can you imagine doing Inside the Gilliverse, a live podcast in the middle of the ocean? We got to make this happen. We'll get- hey, I'd like to be, I, listen, I can't navigate the damn thing, but I could be the MC. Sure. Sure. I, see, I, I like it, man. I'm going to come and join you. I'm going to take the podcast on the, on the ocean. I'm scared of the ocean. I'm not going to lie, but give me a couple beers or something and hey, I'll be all right. Be fine. Yeah, I'll be, fine. be fine. Eric. Yeah. Well, listen, we are at that time and it breaks my heart to have to say goodbye for the evening. It's not goodbye forever. Cause we're going to see you again soon. Hopefully we'll be seeing you, Kevin leading that bank with Kara as well by your side in season six, fingers crossed. Hope so. Hope so. I hope I get to see Kara again. And I want to see Paige and Kim and Bob and everybody. Hope it works out. I, I tell you what, it's been a hell of a ride, though, any way you look at it. And I, I'm just glad to be a part of Better Call Saul and, and uh, uh, glad to be a part of uh, Inside the Gilliverse, Eric. You've been great. You're a great interviewer. And, and uh, keep it up, brother. Thank I mean, you. I'll, I'll come back anytime. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll do whatever I need to do. I appreciate that. And just to clarify too, we had saw some comments that um, people confused too. We certainly don't mean a cruise d- during the times of COVID. This we're talking way past COVID. This is this is yeah. There won't be a mask within four thousand miles of, no, of this trip because no. it'll all be gone, done, mm-hmm. and we'll all be safe and healthy. I'm a and vi- I wish that to everyone. By the way, uh, everyone out there, I wish you uh, uh, safety and health and in uh in in uh in uh happiness exactly i'm a true advocate for safety when it comes to that as well too more i'm more than more than uh safe on that but i was just before we go i want to say thank you to you obviously for joining us this evening and i want to say a big thank you to our sponsors bobbleheads.com check out the links that we've posted and in our description you can pick out official bobbleheads from better call saul there's going to be some other great things coming which i can't talk about yet but to watch those websites a big thank you to all of our youtube viewers our subscribers our patreon members our youtube uh, members people that buy our merch at broadstash boutique and we also encourage you to stop back again next week same time 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific where i'm going to be totally uh, made fun of my canadian accent by yours and kara's a uh, good friend dennis am i saying it right boots Zakaris? i should say it with a canadian boot boots well Zakaris. i like to say boots of Karis, but, okay. but either way boots of Karis. listen you better buckle up brother <laughs> Big Dennis is coming on, and you better talk about the goat. This is all I'm going to tell you. I, the goat. He you, better bring. He better bring the goat on the show. Otherwise, I won't speak to him again. Okay, it's not speaking. I'm not speaking to somebody. I'm not going to speak to you if you don't send me these videos that you've been promising to send me. Do it this Dennis, weekend. Dennis, who plays Rich on the show, you guys know him. Great actor. I wouldn't say he's a great person, but <laughs> great, great actor. No, he's a great guy. Uh, I, I, uh, uh, Karen and I bought him a goat. A little painted goat. It's just a little toy, just a goat. And, and he's made some movies. He literally is brilliant. He's brilliant at these little mini movies. Michael with Bay goat. with a goat. And the goat's famous. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, as a matter of fact, 
Hold on. Do we have one minute? Yeah, we do. I mean, I know you got your hand, you're kind of busy with Reba and stuff like that, but you can send me a text message like you promised me. Uh, I will. Hold on a minute. Uh, let me, I want to, I want to, I want to just show you what he did with the goat. I bet you keep on, your promise to Kara on your, on your logo. Hold on a second. <laughs> uh, so here is, here is the inside the Gillivars, uh, and the one that you used. And now look at the bottom right of this. This is what Dennis did. So. Okay. I can see it. You see the goat? Yes. See, that's the famous goat. Okay. He's made, he's made movies with that goat. Little miniature short films with the goat. The goat's famous. That's hilarious. The goat's so going to have. Sure, the make goat, sure he brings the goat on. Okay. The goat's going to have a bigger IMDb than you guys. Right? Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sure he does. That's fantastic. Well, we'll look and, forward to seeing and, Dennis next week. And by the way, Reba, Reba says hi to everybody too, so. Hi, Reba. Thank you for sharing the post this morning too, Reba. We appreciate that greatly. It's very nice of you. Well, listen, Rex, I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. Don't go away. We'll say goodbye off the air. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, Be safe this weekend, please. Uh, We want to get through this as fast as possible. Everyone wants to get back to work. And it looks like possibly uh, March is resuming for Better Call Saul headquarters for filming. If all goes well, the more people adhere to social distancing and all that good stuff, the quicker that will happen. But listen, we'll see you next week with Dennis. And uh, until next time, everyone. Cheers and thank you so much. Good night. Thanks again for tuning into Inside the Gilliverse with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul.